When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Part two of Nick Delorier. And I got to say this proudly. I saw somebody with an after the whistle uh, shirt the other day, property of. So what do I do? Do I go up to them? Or do I just appreciate it from afar? And just admire. Are you serious? Yeah. That is awesome. So what did I do? So what do I do? I think a hundred percent you went up to them. No, I no questions asked. What? No, No, I didn't. Not in your personality, not to go up to them and just be like, Hey, hope you're enjoying your ATW t-shirt. I didn't. I just, I just was kind of like taken aback. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Really? So I'll tell you this though, the people that are listening right now, if you haven't got your uh, ATW merchandise, you might want to get on it because there after the whistle shop.com, by the way, after the whistle shop.com, there are a lot of hats that um, are almost sold out and, and t-shirts that are almost sold out uh, and they're not going well, to be renewed or they're you're not the gonna... inventory guy. I know I've been watching the, you're the inv- I have no idea what's going on with the inventory. These things are flying off the shelf and uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's some sizes that are just sold out. Yeah. Well, I have, um, I have a cool idea for a new shirt for the fall. So listen, I, I have my phone. I have been writing down in my phone, putting it in my phone ideas. Okay. That, that the people on, on Twitter or, or whatever, like uh, the, the people that listen to our show, they are hilarious, man. They're telling, Oh, you gotta have a sh- this shirt or you gotta have that shirt or, um, it's all going in the bank. We got Hi. a new, we've got a new logo, a new kind of funky logo that, uh, that uh, Petey and I uh, are, are drawing up that that won't come out until October, um, mid, mid-October. mid Start of the season is when we're going to launch uh, some new T-shirts, some some new color hoodies, some new, a new logo that is going to be a little bit different. Um, there's, there's lots in the works, but uh, I ask that if you are interested in grabbing something, do it quickly. Um, because things are being sold out and they're probably not going to be, um, and renewed, so Nick Delorier 
part two coming up. It was such a hard time for fans the last 10, 12 years. You know, Ryan O'Reilly leaving, Jack, I don't even want to get into all that. But what was the morale like around the team? Well, obviously, my first year was when Ike's draft was there. So the next year. So obviously, tours more the last quarter. You're kind of thinking now you have a chance to get McDavid, blah, blah, blah. As players, that you know how it is. You don't think about that and everything. But you, we had such a terrible year. And I think we – when was it? The year before it was with Ted Nolan. Then you switch another coach. And then you have a new GM. And now you're talking about getting a new GM back in. So it was kind of confusing a bit. But it's so hard for me to answer that because I was trying to make – make myself an NHL player. So obviously it was more of kind of me, myself and I trying to like prove that hey, you traded for me. I played 17 games. You signed me for an extension at a minimum salary just to prove myself, just to stay here. And I, I was doing that. So no, I think the more like I, I've been telling to a lot of people like uh, Tyson Jost, when I played with him in, uh, in mini and he, he uh, got picked up on waivers. I texted him right away. I was like, hey, you know, it's – I loved Mini. Mini was unbelievable and everything. The fan base, and it was great. But I told him, I was like, hey, you're going to have so much fun there. It's just a great place outside of the city. It's unbelievable. I, I started my family in Buffalo, and I I love it, you know. But he, he told me at the end of the year, he's like, man, I loved it there. You know, it's – I think it's not – it's tough for sure, but I can't really answer that question, what you guys are going through the last five years, because my mindset was so different when I was there. I but, guess you're you know, just I, happy to be in the league, right? You're just happy to get your... I was, at that point, I was yeah. happy to be in the league at that moment, but trying to stay in the league. So yeah. it was kind of... And I still think like that. You know, I think even even with the contract I have, I, I come to camp and it's... Which fucker is trying to take my spot? I'm going to beat him. You know, that's how, that's how I always thought myself. And now, you know, all those buyouts and everything, you never know. It could be you the next year. So I think for me, it's just always taking care of my body and bringing what I bring, you know, like I, I know, I know I'm going to fight whenever I want. I fought when I was in Montreal, I got, I got jumped, unlucky, broke my face. I was out eight weeks. I couldn't make the lineup. My last, my last year in in Montreal because of that, you know, Claude Julien just thought I was always a step behind. So I'm here to prove myself that I'm I can play hockey throughout this camp, and if I have to fight 82 times, I'll fight 82 times. So yeah. I think that's how I think now. I try to prove to people that I can, you know, in the last few years now I'm more of a PK guy and everything. So trying to add more to my baggage because. I'm not going to be a guy that scores 15, 20 goals. Do I want to be? Yes. Do I practice that? Yes. But I don't get put in those positions. I don't get, I don't go on a power play. I don't want to be on a power play. You know, I want to kill penalties. I want to play those minutes that are meaningful to me to help the team winning in a certain way that helps me. You don't want to be on the power play because you don't want to overperform your contract. You don't want to start going and putting in points and starting to feel like, fuck, I'm underpaid here. On only, only on your last year of your deal, you want to do that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, <laughs> I want to go back. What got you here to this point mentally, physically, and you said lots of ups and downs. What are some of the downs that you had to overcome to help make you a, a, an 
all around well-rounded professional in the NHL. Talking about being in LA, you know, those, those three summers and not even having a crack. I think I was playing one preseason game, you know, those are, are downs, but there are downs that you kind of see from everybody when you're younger and you have a big team. And I think, I think my third year there, they won the cup. So you kind of have no opportunity, but for me was, you know, you kind of get your foot in, uh, play 17 games in buff, then play two or three season. And then you come to camp in the best shape you've ever been. And I think it was, uh, Phil Housley, the coach there and he had Botterill and had an unbelievable camp it was probably the best camp I've ever had. And then, you know, just that feeling of getting punched in the gut, 25-man roster, I get called in and put me on waivers. And I was like, excuse me? So, like, yeah, you know, it's – you're going to get picked up, blah, 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 blah. Nobody picked me up. You had to send a list there, you know, that, that I was done pretty much. So that's when I – such a funny story. I stayed in Clarence for two weeks. Season was started. I was not allowed to go to Rochester because they didn't want to get – I didn't want – they didn't want me to get injured, and they were trying to trade me. And when they traded me to Montreal, I had to go in the A. So you just played 200-plus games in the NHL, and you just get smack in the face when you had your biggest summer. Uh, and it was contract year for me as well. And, you know, that was down, down. You know, I went to Montreal, and that's when you kind of – you go to Laval, you play in the A, and you kind of look at yourself, and you're like, how, how am I going to get back up there? And, you know, I had – Two weeks there that were unbelievable. I pretty much just, that's when I changed my mindset to, you know what? I'm just going to put my head down like I, like when I was 18, 19 and just work my ass off. I was at the rink, first one at the rink, like I'm always the first one at the rink, but I would stay there. I would stay with the younger guys because now I'm, I was the only older guy in the A. I was on the ice until pretty much they, they were kicking us out. And then how many guys got, in your time did you see go the opposite way? Cause when I was in the minors, I did the exact same path as you went to the minors, um, you know, struggled. I wouldn't even say struggled. I, I think I played really well in my first couple of years and looking for that opportunity just to break through. But there was a lot of players in the minors that were, that were just, they were in the same position as I was. You're you're fighting for those final spots in the NHL, and they their attitudes went the opposite way. Yeah, really, uh, really good and, hockey players. And, and at the same time, those are the guys that get called up before you. You know that happened to me multiple yep. time in that two weeks. You know that in Montreal was kind of that downhill. That season wasn't going well, and there were so many injuries that a lot of guys were getting called up. So get traded to Montreal. And I'm like, there's no chance I can go back up. And then after a week, you have two or three guys that are hurt. And then I'm there just working my ass off. And then you're got X guy that's there. And just from his status, you know, higher pick doesn't give a shit gets on the ice, chin strap off, you know, kind of like flown around and, Two days after he's called up, and I'm like, okay, I you kind of get it at the same time, but you you're frustrated for sure. But uh, you know that was that was down point, but it's so funny because you see it in so many teams that man, this guy was so good. But when I see him in the summer, 
doesn't give a shit. And now his career is almost over. You know, those are things that I think that's, that's what kept me in the league. Just that kind of slap in the face from Buffalo to going there. And then I kind of got pretty much slapped again when I wasn't playing much my second year in Buffalo uh, in Montreal. And that's when I got traded to Anaheim and that kind of turned into a different mode. I was working my ass off and everything, but now I knew that, okay, I'm going to change the way I present myself. I'm going to be there for the young guys. I I'm old enough. I might have, at that point I was thinking, you know, I might play in the A for the rest, the rest of my career. You know, I played three, 300 and some games in the NHL, you know, I'll get traded again, go to California and start, start camp. Camp goes well. First five games, I'm healthy scratch, but it didn't bother me. I was kind of going the opposite way, kind of being that mentor that now the coaches were kind of like telling me to talk to him and kind of being more involved. Kind of it's funny to say more of how Gio and Georgie were at the end of their career, kind of teaching the younger guys how to do things. And I had the best, probably the best year I could have asked there. I think I had played two games every seven games. And then I scored my first NHL hat trick and then it went out, had my extension of two year, 1 million it was great. And then that's, third year there was pretty much you know my mindset was still of helping everybody working hard and I put myself in that situation of getting traded I wanted to get traded to play in the playoffs and I knew it was my big year that was probably the first time that I thought about this summer is my summer for my contract throughout my career I never thought about that throughout my career I was on a thread trying to make it make it make it they would call me before trade deadline. Hey, do you want an extension? Two year, nine fifty. Oh, can we have one million? Just fifty plus, and not too greedy. Oh yeah, we're good. Could have fought for more. Don't care. I'm staying there. Two years, two years. And that last year was really, you know, after the playoffs, like throughout that year and after the playoffs, I kind of sat down, and me and my wife were like, you know, I, she, she, she told me she's like, oh, you had a great year. Like she knows now numbers or not. I don't look for numbers and that's the first time in my life. And probably the last time I've sat down and I told her, I think we're going to be good this summer. That's it. And then free agents started and noon phone started, started ringing. And I think I, I took my sweet time too. I could have signed that first deal that I had at noon. And I I think I signed at like five forty-five. I waited, waited. How many? Like, how many teams yeah. were interested in you? Because I'm going to tell you this: right. when you go to unrestricted free agency, everybody looks at these top-end guys that make an ungodly amount of money, and multiple teams are giving them contract offers. But then there's the whole other side to unrestricted free agency, and it's not fun. How was your? No. How was your? Uh, so mine was kind of a long process. Because I think it was still what two years after COVID, so it was not July first; it was July thirteenth, and that whole week, I, that's when I I was not nervous at all. But that last week, now my agent's calling me. He's like, "Hey, take a piece of paper. We have this team, this team, this team, this team, this team, and now we're doing pretty much the taxes and everything." And he's like, "Hey, at one point you're gonna have to choose. This is probably your last contract. You want to make more money than," and I'm I'm just happy with 
what I want. I'm fine. And he comes down. It's like, you got 16 teams here. The other ones are probably going to come. And now it was a big thing to draft in Montreal. They wanted me to go. 16 teams? At, at one point, we had 16. But it, like you said, it drops oh. It drops pretty quick. You know? like, But draft as in, in Montreal. As in, what do you mean? Teams give you an offer. If you don't sign the contract, then they're, they're boom. They're going the other way. Because I was still owned by Minnesota until pretty much noon the 13th. So now it was a big talk. And Billy G is one of my favorite human beings. He was so straightforward with me. He said, Nick, I'm going to try my best to move something. He wanted me back. It was like just an honest man and talking to me that I'm a, I'm a family guy. And he always called me and said, how's the family? How's the kids? This is what's going to happen. I've been getting some offers for like a fifth round pick just to have your rights. So when the draft comes, you can sign with them, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do this to you. I think you should go to bidding war. You're going to have more money, blah, blah, blah. So I knew I wasn't signing in, in, uh, in mini, but he told me, he's like, Hey, you got, I got four teams that are trying to trade for you just for your rights. But he was so good to me to dad, but like, because of now the new system, you're not allowed to go meet. You're not allowed to go visit anything. Uh, Draft is in my ask you one. Can I ask you one question? I don't even know if you'll answer it. Was Buffalo Sabres yeah. one of those teams that were interested? Just tell me they were one of the 16. Yeah, yeah, they were. That's all I need to know. Because I'm going to tell you when you, when before you signed that deal again, Petey and I were like, oh my God, you know what, this, is, this is the exact guy that we need on this team to help make those younger players feel comfortable. And I signed, I signed you, D'Lo. I signed you on the on the show here. But uh, the problem is, you signed I, me a couple of years ago. I did, but I signed you a couple of years ago. But I signed you for one point five for four years. So I mean, that was a couple of years ago. So you know, I would I would have probably took that. No, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I think the main thing on that was, you know, my wife that, that was like uh, counting teams, counting teams. And then I was like talking, uh, X team, X team, X team. And I was like, Buffalo. And she looked at me, she's like, Oh, well, that's a sign. You know, we, we started a family there and I would be happy to go back. So we knew like our options were open. You know, I think it was, that was the main thing. But that day when noon hits, I thought I was going to get one offer and it was done. I think it was like 1205 and I'm texting my agent. I was like, did it start? Like, yeah, yeah, wait, I've been giving your phone number to everybody and your house phone number. I was on the phone on two phones at the same time. Two teams are screaming at me. It was hilarious. And at one point, we, it just came down, like I said, 16 to probably 12, 12, 10, went down to five right away. You know, it was quick. They offer yep. you right away what they think you're worth. And we say no, and they don't, it's like, no. Or we have a good one, and we're like, hey, we have this. Do you want a counter offer? And it was like, no, no, we're out. So it, it drops down quick. But I think for the last three hours, because that took really my time, and thank God the technology, my thing was, let's say Buffalo calls, and I've never been to Buffalo. My thing was Google Maps, going to see school district, best school district, because I want to buy a house, but it has to be in the best school district for my kids. And I did that with all the teams, you know, that were at that point. And – you know, I I got pressured by by a couple teams, but you know that's code, was, that's code for Riv. That's code for he was looking at property taxes. 
<laughs> but at the same time, you know, when Torch called me, it was uh, really, you know, when you feel sincere about somebody telling you something, it was like, hey, I love the way you work. Uh, it's, I'm not going to be easy on you. Sign the fucking contract. And I was like, yeah. okay. And then Chuck Fletcher called me and pretty much said, hey, did John <laughs> call you? I was like, yeah. Pretty direct. He's like, no, we really want you. And then I took my time and I had another team back and forth. And then he recalled me. And it was so like, it was you Tortorella know, that called and said that to you? Torts called me and uh, Chuck. But it was Torts that pretty much, you know, I'm a guy that loves challenge. And I told him that. And he's like, I'm going to give you some challenges, you know, and you're going to be a big piece of, of this organization, not just the team. And, you know, kind of like felt really comfortable and, I, I grew up in, I don't, whatever I have, I worked my ass for. I don't get given anything. And, you know, it was just a perfect fit that I'm going with probably the scariest coach for the young guys. Nobody wants to, to get screamed like, like that. But, you know, so, I, so now one year into your contract, there's been a change with the team, right? <laughs> you know, there's been talk of Kevin Hayes. Uh, possibly being on his on his way out. You have Sean Couturier, who is obviously one of your very best players, was out pretty much almost the whole season, correct? I think two years now. And you have guys like Ivan Provorov, who has been moved out of uh, the organization, your top defenseman. Does that, does your mindset ask yourself like, Hey, I signed with all of these guys thinking that these guys are going to be here and we're going to build something. And now all of a sudden we're kind of going in a new direction, new GM, new thought process with uh, Danny Briere. Um, What is your thought about the team moving forward now? Yeah. But at the same time, last year when I came in just for camp, you know, I had some sit downs with, uh, with John and, and he told me, he's like, this year is a who's going to be on the bus and who's not going to be on the bus. So I kind of knew that. Well, he made that he be- made that clear in his first press oh, conference. Yeah. So we kind of, how can I say this? It is surprising how many, like, trading for those guys. But at the same time, the message was clear. We're trying to build something here. And last year was kind of a big test for a lot of guys. You know, can you handle this or can't? Can you not? And no, I think Chuck Fletcher was a great guy and everything. You know, I'm he gave me what I wanted, so I I, I have to thank him for that. But having Danny B, you know, I've, I've I've been talking to him so much, and it's such a different just to talk to you. Like we've been talking about my career, like at the start when I would meet coaches or GM, I feel so uncomfortable. Now I go up there, and it's like we're talking like friends and he's asking me some things and he's asking me what what do I think about this and you know it's kind of a different mindset where I'm at now but I kind of saw it coming what's happening right now I trust what Danny is doing and it's gonna it's gonna take time but at the same time we decide how long it's gonna take next year could be completely different that we go look at Florida wild card number two yeah Torts is probably the best guy for that. He's gonna he doesn't he doesn't care if you're making seven million, one million, or seven seventy-five. If you don't fucking do your job, you're gonna hear it. And 
He's done it. He sat some people out and didn't he sit Kevin Hayes? He did right Sam after Hine. right right after he was named uh to the all-star game. Yeah. I mean that's talk about no, a message. Uh, that that is it is. I obviously as a player you don't want you you, you kind of root more for your player, but at the same time, I you have to have balls to do that, you know. I think but oh. he he clearly he clearly said it. I'm gonna fucking fix this thing. And we've changed a lot of things. Like obviously now new new management up top. And when Torch came in, he's like, Hey, we're gonna change downstairs too. Medical and everything. We changed everything. You know, last year that's why last year was kind of I'm not surprised what's happening now. Last year was outside of hockey, we fixed outside of hockey, you know? Yeah. And obviously I can't I I can't tell what was wrong the years before. I wasn't there, but I overheard and got told what was going on and it was like it was not working and you can tell it was kind of a but sports came in and he 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 took he took the 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 job and he i think he clarified it when he took the job i'm gonna fix this and he so i i I would have loved i hope i'm I'm still on the bus but you know you never know it's a business you know does he does he still do the training camp run i think to be honest with you, the last training camp I aged by five years. I heard his training camps are brutal. Hey, to come back to ribs, what you were saying about bench press and pull ups. We have, I think, what is it? Force plate jumps in the gym, broad jump, body fat, weight, and then it's all on the ice. Wow. It's wow. fun. It's fun. Three laps, six times, and you have to push. And he's in the middle of the ice, and you skate your ass off. I'm telling you, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So three laps. I've never six... thought. I've never thought. So you do three laps, same side. Yeah. Then the other group goes. So you have three groups. So you start each blues. Three laps. Then the other group. The other group. So you have two groups of waiting. But it takes – under 52 seconds to do. So you pretty much have not that long, a minute, a minute and a half, a little bit more. And then you go to the other side. But you have to do that six times. Oh, I've never had my legs cramped. How many up. guys puked? Any guys puke? Nobody puked. No one's but puking nobody... anymore, Rib. It's not your fucking rookie year. No, but no, everybody puked. Able... Everybody puked no. when I played. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's able. Yeah, that's because you guys fucking drank a two four before. That's why. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's because you wore a sweatsuit with a garbage bag wrapped around <laughs> driving to training camp. No, Listen, I can just, still remember. I got called up. I was twenty years old. I got sat out one of my games. Okay, so I'm. I was told from the trainers what I had to do. Okay. They gave me my bike ride. They gave me my workout. So we're watching the game. I'm sitting with another defenseman. His name was Robert Dirk. You can go and look him up. He gets on the, or or, or, sorry, we we're supposed to be doing a bike ride together. He doesn't get on the bike. He's just like, Craig, come and get me when there's one minute left in the period. I said, what do you, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm going to be in the sauna. Come and get me when there's one minute left in the period. So I'm sitting there riding the bike. I'm doing all my shit. I'm dying. I look up. There's one minute left in the period. I get off the bike. I go knocking the door on the sauna door. He's in there sitting there just sweating like crazy, right? So he gets out of there, puts his shit back on, 
And now he's sweating through his t-shirt and his shorts and his running shoes gets on the bike beside me and then makes it look like he just finished the bike. That is a goddamn veteran. If I've ever heard one. And now I'm thinking to myself, that's a a true pro. (laughs) That is, that is what hockey was all about back in 95. You do that now. You're out of the league. (laughs) Oh my God. I've heard some stories from like Billy G was telling, hey, there's some guys, man, they weren't playing. They were going in the kind of hot tub, the kind of the wave hot tub. And that was their warm ups before going for the game. And a couple guys would fall asleep there and they would wake them up. Hey, you got two minutes to get dressed. And you just go and get dressed, play the game. I was like, oh my God. You got guys doing plyo sprints hey, and everything. Mick, now. Mick. The game was way better back in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's when we had some fun. But the, one, one, of the, one of the best things I've heard was uh, Kirk Muller. He told me, he's like, we land at like, I think flight's always at two. We land at four somewhere. And he comes up to me, he's like, what do you guys do when you land? I was like, well, usually guys go for a shower and whatever they do. And then a couple guys go for dinner. He's like, back in the days when I was playing, you land, you had three minutes to go drop your things, and everybody had to be at the bar for at least two beers. It's like, why the fuck are you guys not doing this? It's team bonding. You guys are in a different city together. Should be everybody drinking beers together. They don't want to drink beer. Put a timer on your on your phone. You can't leave before two hours. You've been sitting there. Nick, I can still, like, yeah, again, I can tell like you this. Anymore. I go to dinner. This is a star player. He's an extremely well-known guy in the NHL and even today. Okay. I went to dinner. I was a rookie. I was just super happy to be there. I'm just taking everything in. I'm watching this superstar stud. He's knocked down eight Coors Light. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit. He's just drank eight beer. And this is even before his meal came out. Once he finished the eight beer, he ordered himself a bottle of wine and he drank the bottle of wine. And I just noticed this and I just kind of, you know, made, I I didn't say very much because I was a rookie and I just looked at him like, Hey, you do this every night. He looks at me, goes every night. That's my ritual. Eight cores light, one bottle of wine, go home and sleep game next day. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit. That was that was different the, breed, right? Yeah, that was okay. that was the now, thing. Now, now you're almost now you're almost scared of taking two beers and getting on social media. That's right. It's insane. Ask uh, ask Danny Briere about the time he threw his stick into the netting behind the the uh, up uh, above the glass behind the net when our third string goalie Mika Norton got off got off the ice and Danny wanted to do drills. I was doing drills with Danny and Mika just skates off. You know what's funny? I'm I'm so I'm so close with Danny. I'm gonna text him right after I, I just did this podcast with you guys. And just he knew he knew I was uh kind of close with Provorov. You know, th- just to tell you how the relationship of me and Danny is, you know, I knew that he's more of an outsider. So I tried my best all year, you know, trying to bring him in and I think kind of did a really good job he was more involved and when he traded him it was not even out on twitter and he texted me right away he's like hey i know you i know you did your best you know i think uh but i'm sorry i traded your buddy and i was like what he's like yeah i just traded pro like 
the relationship we have, me and him, like, and I'm going to text him right away. And oh, he is one guy that he's going to answer. He's going to answer me within five minutes. Tell him this. I need to know who threw Derek Roy's shoes in the pool after he took a two minute power play shift. I don't know who did it. When you talk to Danny, is it in French or English? Usually always French, but always comes back to English midway and then back to French. English only in the locker room. English only in the locker room. I fucking scream at those Russian and those Swedes when they start talking to them. Lindy made a rule English only because all the because Kalinin and Afinaganov would absolutely spot check. Spot check. We had that. We had that in. We had that in Anaheim. I think half of our team was Sweden, and they were always playing ping pong and always talking their language. And at one point, our coach Dallas Egan comes up to me. He's like. Fuck those guys only speak their language. I was like, Do you want me to fix that? He's like, Yeah, I brought the I brought the ping pong table right in the middle of the dressing room. So everybody sat there so they had to speak in English because in the room was only English. So you had to play ping pong speaking English. They didn't play for long. This has been a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I like what you guys are doing. Absolute pleasure, man. You're the best. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you guys.